Hey there, it's me again, Richard Herring with Lester Purr. Uh, second in a week, it's going to be that way for a little while, my fan friends, my fan, fan friends. This week, we have the wonderful Mike Wozniak. You may have seen him on Man Down or his fantastic stand-up or hundreds of other places. Uh, and he's always been a great guest, been on once before. And I am going crazy. So why not come and see Rahala Super Live? Go to richhang.com slash gigs. You can find out where we're coming. It's basically London, Birmingham and Norwich. Um, but it's all selling pretty quickly, so don't leave it to the last minute. It's not like the old days of Richard Herring gigs when you could just rock up and have a whole row to yourself. No, sometimes you have to book ahead. Um, and we are aiming for really big guests this year to compete with Adam Buxton. I hate him so much. Unless he comes on again, in which case, hooray. Uh, and <laughs> I love him. He's fantastic. Uh, so uh, do... Oh, buy tickets, richardhang.com slash gigs for all the information there. GoFasterStripe.com has all sorts of things like downloads of my live shows, uh, emergency questions, books. You can buy three different books for £20. That's a fantastic deal. Uh, you can also get DVDs uh, and downloads from many of this country and the world's finest comedians, who some of whom aren't recognised by TV and such forth but who are very good. Thank you to Chris Evans, not that one, for the fantastic work he puts into Go Faster Stripe and, of course, Sky Potato as well, and all the stuff we're seeing here. Uh, we're hoping to bring you lots more interesting stuff this year. So if you are a bad subscriber, if you are giving us a bit of money and on Kickstarters every now and again, we're hoping we will put that to good use uh, and bring you even more content in 2020. It's going to be a good year, my friends. I've got a good feeling about 2020. Let's sit back, relax, and enjoy Rahala Stepa with Michael Wozniak. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Corn Exchange in Exeter. We liked it so much last week, we came back again. Please welcome a man who has been today terrified by a balloon. It's Richard Herring. Yo, yo. Hello. Hello, Exeter! Oh, you're much better than last week's audience. They were terrible, I said. I'm rubbish. They were terrible. Way welcome to Richard Herring's Lighthouse Serenading Troubadour podcast. <laughs> Fucking hell, I'm scraping the bottom of the pan. <laughs> You'd think there'd be loads of words to begin with LST, wouldn't you? Uh, it's a, a new podcast in which it's like Britain's Got Talent, but we're looking for troubadours, the best troubadour in the country who like singing to lighthouses. So it's going to be quite a long process, obviously, as we whittle that down week by week. Uh, but, uh, I went to sleep in a nice medieval house in Exeter in 1961 today, and... When I woke up, the whole thing had moved right down the street. <laughs> and the man moving along, he calls it Rahalester Persadam. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> just being driven slowly mad by this podcast, I can tell you. Uh, it's my son's birthday again this week, like it was last week. And it's. <laughs> we had a birthday party from yesterday with 15 two year He's two years old, 15 two year olds in our house. It's not, it's not nice. <laughs> I'm hoping it gets better as they get older, but I don't think it does. Um, but he, he had uh, his nana and papa bought him like some uh, balloons, and one of them was like the le that guy from the Lego movie, you know, the, the balloon of the Lego guy from the Lego movie, the main one. I don't know what he's called. It's a funny film. Uh, but that's 
that's just in our dining room, which just doesn't have a door on it. And every time I come down the stairs, this thing goes like that, and I think it's a bloke. Every, every single time. I tweeted about it. I said, every time I put a picture of it, and then I walked down, and then I sort of went, oh, God. I said, like, ten seconds later, still convinced this balloon is a, a real person. So um, that's what's happened to me this week. Been a good week, hasn't it? So uh, let's crack on. Been a good week. Good to be back in Exeter. So, uh, the guest, my guest this week, he's probably best known as the narrator in the tale of the Upside Down Mermaid. That's why we will come out today <laughs> to see him. Will you please welcome Mike Wozniak, ladies and gentlemen. Come in, come in. Hello. How are you doing? Very well, thanks. How are you? I'm good, just not one of those lights over. I'll just check it's all right. It's, it's all not right. your fault, really. We don't, let's not burn ourselves. Oh. It's a strong start, isn't it? Yes, yeah, good. Well, just want to check, you know, Stagecraft. If, if, that, uh, if that curtain goes up, you know, could that, you know, I don't know how it works. The optics could go up in flame. Um, that would yeah, be an embarrassment just, if you were someone burned. Someone from the audience would just let, let me know if I appear to be smoking out of the back of my neck. <laughs> it would be appreciated. <laughs> Yeah, we'll see what happens. So, um, lovely to have you back. You were on the podcast uh, in Machanthlef. Yeah, a long time ago. A few years ago. It's at least five years. Yeah, and, and I'm delighted uh, to see the moustache is there. I don't really... Yeah, I don't... Um, I, was, I don't particularly know how I can account for my time. Um, what have you been doing I in the last... I've done roughly fuck all yeah. in that time. <laughs> I was sort of thinking back, what have, I, what have you achieved, Mike, in that <laughs> half decade? Yeah. Um, you, you, and, and it is pretty much that I've, I've still got a moustache. Yeah. That's about... <laughs> That's it. That's about it. But the moustache comes and goes a little bit. It, occa- it? it occasionally goes... Yeah. We may have touched on this last time. I'm it sure. occasionally goes to sort of, you know, for casting directors to yeah. say, look at um, this guy, you know. Well, you're very... I mean, not that you're not handsome with the moustache, but you're very handsome without the moustache. Keep talking. <laughs> very, if you are, we were saying backstage, you've got a little bit of stubble. Yeah, very bit roguish. Very diff, very My wife disagrees though, so I've oh, never, she doesn't. She doesn't. She won't come near me. Okay. Um, I think she feels like she's being sort of caressed by something uh, uh, reptilian. Yeah. Um, something without a full face, so sort of, sort of sort of snouty. Snouty is how she describes me. Okay, without the so it ba- balances out the. Uh, the snout, the, the face shape, it just sort of snouts into a sort of facial apex. Okay. And so th- this, this acts as a kind of a, a, a buffer. Okay. Um, See, my wife does not like... I like to uh, allow my beard to grow out a little. I then get annoyed by it, but my wife does not like me having facial hair. No? She loves me having the soft face and lips of a lady. <laughs> That's what she likes. She likes to imagine I'm a lady. I mean, she will definitely leave me for a woman. I've said this before, but yeah. I'm, I'm cool with it. You're ready for it. As, spot, as, as long as there's a little interim period where... I'm just slightly involved somehow. <laughs> I don't so mind. Independent observer or... Yeah. I don't, I'm happy just to watch, but yeah. uh, if I'm allowed just to dip my wick in, <laughs> then I'm, that, you know, I'll be very happy Well, you can that. talk the talk, can't you? <laughs> so, you might, you might be able to... But might... you've done, you've been doing plenty of stuff. Uh, what about the upside down uh, mermaid you were the narrator of? How was that? How did that go? That for was you? a lot of fun. That yeah. was. Yeah. It sounds like a goose. I'm guessing. I didn't watch it. I'm afraid. Yeah. I'm guessing she has a fish's head and a human legs. Bang on. Yeah. Bang on. So and I where? like that. I like that idea. And then, and then what if? And then let's see how that play, plays out. Yes. It's it's a romance. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, but it's very funny. There's a director guy called uh, Nick, Nick Fluger. Okay. Uh, who got me in for that. Um, and uh, I think it was just a job because uh, I get this now and again where someone just just needs someone to, to do it. And yeah. there's the assumption that I, I'm probably available. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> I was. It's good to be available, Mike. Available it's, it's and, and, and often to do something for either, either very little or for nothing. <laughs> um, you know, but it's very funny. Uh, yeah, but you've been in, you have been in quite a lot of. I mean, you've. I was. I was you're a fantastic stand-up. It was, I'm, I'm, we must have talked about this last time. But I wrote. I saw you in 2007, 2008, and wrote a blog about having yeah. seen one of your first gigs and saying how how great I thought you were. Um, and you're a great stand-up, but you got kind of sucked into the world of TV and acting, and and have not done so much stand-up. The giddy, well, the giddy lights, the giddy lights, and then there's boring sort of st- stuff. I, living here, uh, which is lovely, but it is also yeah. the, the wrong place. This is not this is not a, a mecca for show business. People don't <laughs> people don't come to Exeter to make their their dream come true. No, well, it's a not. Um, well, so I moved out of London and we were discussing the various places we could live. And yeah. you know, as, a, as a stand-up, there are places you think, well, this would be an ideal place to live, not Exeter. Yeah. Uh, definitely, <laughs> definitely not Exeter. Yeah. But in terms of, I could get back from a lot of gigs from this place. So if you lived in, I think um, Russell had lived in Leamington Spa for a while. Which crafty, like, crafty seemed business. Seemed like a very good place to live. Yeah. Somewhere in Birmingham or Manchester. You know, somewhere you could even get back from the Glasgow, thing. you know, to yeah. some of those places. This one makes less sense. Yeah. Yeah, but then there's also, there's like ch- children come along, that sort yes. of boring stuff, and the wanting to see them a bit now yes. and again. Um, I mean, you can live somewhere other than Exeter and just have I know, the but kids' then space there. My wife's parents live here, ah. so then you're faced with do, do I invest in my, in my career as yes. a stand up, as an artist, uh, <laughs> or do I exploit a couple of old people for free charming? <laughs> um, yeah. Yes, that was very much my, not your grandparents, yeah. but my yeah. parents, but my, my wife's parents live very close to where I live, coincidentally as well. Now that you've moved close to where they live. <laughs> yes, that's yes. right, yeah. <laughs> what a coincidence. Yeah. So I do understand that. And it's, I mean, it is a lovely place down here in Exeter. I do, I, as I, I, well, I feel very home, at home in the West Country anyway. Having, yeah. I mean, it's, some people here won't see Somerset as being the West Country, but it's... <laughs> Uh, having grown up in Cheddar, I, I felt as I drove into Exeter, I felt like a little, oh, you know, I'm feeling a belonging here. You know, you can see green from yeah. places in the centre of the, of the city, which yeah. makes you question whether or not you are truly in a city, <laughs> <laughs> technically. But we are. It is technically, you know, it's kind of yeah. cathedral and a university and a wagamama's. I think there's the sort of <laughs> there's a sort of triple crown. Yeah, um, but I like it. It's got a very good guitar shop. Yeah. I'm not outdoorsy, that's the trouble. No. I should be outdoorsy. There's, here there's, um, especially as a sort of a, a middle-aged, uh, middle-class white man, I, I, I should be geared up to the max with spandex and sort of bicycles that yeah. you can't, that don't have pedals and, <laughs> and should be sort of blocking up uh, B-roads on Dartmoor on the weekends. Yeah. Infuriating farmers. Um, but I'm, I'm sort of bone idle, so I haven't yeah. got into that scene. Okay. I noticed there were two fancy dress shops on the same street. Oh, big time fancy dress around yeah. here. Two, and yet a lot of people will make their own around here. Right. You know, there's a lot of a lot of crafty types. Um, yeah. You know, the big big scene. Yeah. yeah. It's all about escape, isn't it? Really. Yeah. So you find it that's 
But in terms of doing like one man shows, which you were doing, so it's t- yeah. 20, 2015, 2016, the last time you did That's a the one last man proper. I have, they've been, yeah, so I gig very infrequently now, which means that when I, when I do, I, I sort of dwell on it too much. And I, I, do, I do want to keep doing it, but I, the last one I did in Edinburgh, I enjoyed Edinburgh up until the last week, and it was a sort of story show about sort of a cat getting stuck in the boot of my car. Yeah. Uh, and uh, in the last week I found myself, I sort of suddenly kicked into kind of automatic pilot, which is never a good sign. <laughs> and there was this voice in my head saying, oh, shut up, you fucking twice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, who cares? Oh, that's a lie. Oh, you've made that up. Oh, fuck off and do something useful, you fucking bone-eyed little turd. So, and it's been quite hard to shake that off. Yeah. And, uh, and there have been new shows, like the last few years, you know, I've, I've, I've written kind of whole shows and I've ended up not doing work on gigs, but I, I'll take them to Mac, for example, yeah. and, you know, last couple of years I've, I've written a whole show just, you know, sitting in my house... And then I'll, I'll do the whole show and I'll have a lovely time and I'll think, oh, maybe there's a show in this somewhere if I work on it and I'll leave, you know, the puffed up little prince full of myself <laughs> and having a lovely little drive back. And by the time I've got, you know, four hours back from Mac and I'm drawing into Devon again, then the, the little voice is back saying, <laughs> you narcissistic little wanker. There's just made up bollocks. Fuck off. Stop it. So, I think yeah. doing a show of that would be pretty good. <laughs> just doing do do a show with that voice playing over the intercom, I'm pretty... Yeah. Just, uh, just <laughs> guesting in other people's shows as well, possibly. Yeah. Just an yeah. off-stage mic. Yeah. <laughs> if, if then it's shown he's a bit of a zing, yeah. I think that's interesting. I mean, I, I have not done stand-up. I've not done a stand-up show. I've done a few bit, little tiny gigs. Uh, for 18, 20, 19 months, something like that. Yeah. So because of the... Because, similarly, because of the, the family. Voice. And, and just being... And not, but it, the voice is there. I think when you do a uh, long tour or do... I mean, Edinburgh's hard. Like, I did Edinburgh this year, and it's... You know, it's too long. The last week is you, you're, you're, you're ready to go before the last week. Yeah. But I, I, on tour, I often... Yeah, it's, it's worse than a... It's like a little demon in your head saying, you know, just trying to... I've had it saying, going, you know, what if you forget how to breathe? Or oh, what wow. if you forget how to speak? And, and that's really... just and As you're in the middle of a show, you know very, very well and you could do without... I mean, you know, your yeah. mind starts drifting. So there's just that little voice going, yeah, what, come on, what if you can't... What if you forget how to, forget how to, to form words? How are you forming words? I you see, doing... Yeah, I think I've got almost the, the opposite thing where it's almost egging me on to... <laughs> To, 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 to forget all, right. all words. Yeah. And maybe that would be a more interesting thing to, to watch now of a man slowly sort of... just sort of deleting all of the files. Yeah. Just one by one, you know, sort of speech, motor function, yeah. and, you know, memory, you know, mouth control, yeah. um, and, and eventually breathing. I mean, that would be a magnificent sort of swan song gig, I think, if I could... <laughs> If I could find some way for someone to sort of, you know, slowly sort of take the pins out of the back of my brain or whatever it is that's happening, it might be quite, yeah. Yeah. I might do that one day. It is. Well, it is interesting. I mean, I guess it is... There's a thing about becoming a, a more mature person with, with responsibilities that, that comedy can sometimes... I, I feel both ways about it. Sometimes it feels like a very, very stupid job to be doing. Yeah. And sometimes it feels like the greatest 
trick in the world to have got away with yeah, it's a lovely being, thing to yeah. do for your time yeah. yeah i do feel like a wastrel you know or, i mean my wife's a gp for example <laughs> Gen- it's quite a tough time to be a gp she's generally yeah. you know it's quite a sort of struggle you know she goes off to work first thing in the morning and you know is there for hours slaving away doing god knows what and i'm literally i mean in that day i will I, I, half the day is spent thinking how can i tell my wife in a different way that I haven't just pissed this day up against the wall. <laughs> and do I need to get back in the shower to smooth down the hair on the back of my head so that she can't tell that I've been asleep on the carpet <laughs> for quite a large chunk of the afternoon? Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't, yeah. So, yeah. It's not, yeah. Wretched. Yeah. Wretched existence, but a lot of fun, as you say. You know, but you know, I mean, especially if something is happening or you know, whatever. It's, it's yeah. joyous, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's it's it. There is, you know, over the course of my life in comedy, there's been lots of existential crises and ups and downs. The bits you're really enjoying, it and then bits where you're really hating it, um, and bits where you think it's ridiculous. I think I've got to a calm level where I sort of think this is stupid, but I have to carry on. Oh, there's a, definitely a point where yeah, yeah. You've, you've, you've crossed the Rubicon, the, the bridges are burnt, yeah. it's too late, it's yeah. far too late to do anything else. Yes. Um, I, I think we're, we're, we're way past sort of army, for example. <laughs> that, you know, <laughs> we, we can't even be cannon fodder. No. You know, at, at this point, um, you could uh, submit yourself to a sort of cannery, maybe we could get ourselves sort of made into sort of soap and glue or something like that. <laughs> Dog food. <laughs> Because um, I think a lot of the time, I mean, if you, I think if you have a sort of crisis about sort of, at my, at my age particularly, I think if you have a crisis about sort of worthlessness and career, and like a classic one is to go into sort of teaching or something like that. Yeah. Go, do you know what, f- fuck it, I'm going to give something back and yeah, I'm going to get rid of these fanciful ideas and I'm going to teach the, I mean, I, 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 would, I would have to go back to university and get a degree in order to make me someone who could actually teach anything. Yeah. I've got nothing to teach, nothing to give <laughs> to a wider society, you know. Yeah. It could be um, a sort of um, like a, a, a body, possibly in a, an anatomy course. <laughs> yeah, that's good. It could be dissected. Yeah, they could plasticate you so they, they could, could just look inside be, you all the time. I'd be happy to be plasticated at some yeah. point. I'd be open to that. Yeah, that'd be all right. Because yeah. um, pretty good at that. Yeah. They, um, did you ever see that plasti- plastification? I think I did. I think I the have body been works. to see it. Yeah. Body there was works. a great rabbit in there. Right. Uh, that was just blood vessels. That was my. That's what I'd, I'd like. When right. I, when I die, if uh, it would, would be to be just be blood vessels, really. Yeah. It looks fucking snazzy. <laughs> it's kind of, uh, it's sort of like, kind of sort of jazz skeleton, basically. Yeah. It's quite busy. Yeah. But it's yeah. strong. I've got, I've quite, and, you know, I'm not really interested in, um, I'd, I'd, I'd like my body to be used somehow. Yeah. I mean, I don't really care. I mean, not like that. Um, maybe like that, mate, if you want, if you, if you pay my wife enough to take the body away you can have your way with it if it's like 50 grand yeah well, it's, you gone quiet. it's gone quiet hey you don't mind how it is i don't mind growing don't... carrots or something if like that. i'm dead he could do what they can do what they like with it if i'm alive rug 100 grand if i'm alive <laughs> but if a rug would be nice you'd make a great rug that'd be nice <laughs> 
It'd be or nice. A bedspread or something like that. Yeah. Just have your little gaping face yeah. staring at you first well, thing in the, the morning. I, I've, the chances are I will predecease my wife mm -hmm. and that my wife will, after a short period of mourning, <laughs> move on. <laughs> move on to her, her female lover. You don't sure. think you're going to have to sort of beg her to find love again? <laughs> She'd just be up. Okay. So it won't be nice. Yeah, like a bedspread. Yeah. On top of the, on the, they have to. Just so that I'm in a, pr a presence. They could chop Best bread in a, perhaps in a sort of marital suite of a boutique yeah. hotel somewhere. Yeah. Honeymooners bedspread. Yeah. <laughs> it'd be kind of romantic. It'd be like yeah. a passing on the torch, wouldn't it? A little yeah, bit. especially if, you, if your hide has been properly treated, then <laughs> if it's sort of kind of wiped clean and, you know, it can be incorporated into yeah. love play. And, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, okay, well, I'll give it a thought. Give it a thought. <laughs> you've, um, you've been doing a lot of acting. I have been doing some yeah. acting, which is I really enjoy. I've got absolutely yeah. no training in acting whatsoever, but I seem to mostly make a living out of doing that Yeah. these days. I thought you um, probably did. You, I was watching you. You were in um, something quite super fancy, weren't you? It was like a, uh, the Moonstone. Yeah. You were good, uh, didn't it? Did you see it? Yeah, I saw it. I saw some clips of it today. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> That's really moving. Thank you. <laughs> um, I, I'm relieved. I haven't been able to watch that back. That oh, really? was, um, yeah, I was Superintendent Seagrave. Okay. So I had to, I had to do a, a northern accent. Yes. And a accents are not my strong suit. <laughs> and uh, so I, had, I, did, I did have some help from a friend of mine who's a kind of proper, he's a comedian, but he's rather... Do you know Danny Rigby? Rada, proper Rada train. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's sort of nails. So he, but I was in a... Because my, my northern is just sort of miscellaneous fucking northern. Yeah, just the, the northern of a southern man who has been to the north a couple of times <laughs> and seen a couple of kitchen sink dramas and this will fucking do, won't it? They'll never be able to sell. So I was very nervous about that. Um, but yeah, that was the first sort of drama thing technically that I'd done yeah. as well. And uh, it's, I mean, it was a moustache job, really. <laughs> well, most of them are moustache jobs. Yeah. Well, be, you know, um, it's a false moustache costs a lot of money. So. They are expensive. Yeah. The decent ones. Yeah. And um, so there's, you, I get, there's a lot of um, your, your sort of geography teacher, um, your sort of RAF pilot, all that kind of yeah. stuff. Um, have not many. Um, not, not many sort of kind of uh, sort of dark sort of you know paedophile tales or anything like that. I'm no. sort of waiting for the quiet. I think give me a couple of years and be old. Yeah. And may, maybe that, that, that I guess work what, those, that's the in. parts I get. I get. Yeah. The, I get the uh, the weird uh, the sort of sexual predators. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm the acting is mostly um, I am the kind of uh, I'm a, an entourage really, and the moustaches are the thing that's getting the job. It's the moustache that's getting picked up in the car. Yeah. Um, and, you know, getting free range of the buffet trolley at yeah. lunchtime. And I'm, I'm, the, I'm just the guy sort of, you know, caddying him about, basically. <laughs> but so far, it's okay. And, I think you know, you're a very good actor. I get the odd gig. You I know, think so you're a very fun. good actor. But it's... Are you doing... Well, James, actually, my tour manager, was talking about... And I, I, did, I, I didn't see the show, but you did a sketch show in Edinburgh with mm. quite a large... Super number, club. Yeah. Yeah. A lot, a lot of people in the sketch troupe. 
It was there was there were nine of us. Yeah, that's too many. Phenomenally, it? Un, it was too many. Yes, yeah. we discovered that very early on. <laughs> Uh, pretty much on day one, unwieldy. And in fact, m quite a lot of the process of writing that show uh, did involve, you know, coming up with a name for the group, um, yeah. which is hard anyway for any group, but particularly when there's it, it, nine of you is absolutely nightmarish. And none of the previews or anything, like, we, we couldn't get any of us, we couldn't get all nine of us together. So often there would be <laughs> three people doing a preview in Brighton or something and trying to do all nine parts, right. you, know, you know, most of which they don't know. Of course, but yeah, it was me and Henry Packer and Ben Partridge and the Widdicombe brothers. Oh, yes. Natla Seema, uh, Sean Harris, Tom Crane. <laughs> Who else? Fuck, See, if you can't remember them all, that's uh, the two Ronnies could both remember the other yeah. person in it. They could, that's, you got nines too many. We had a good time, though. We had a lot of fun. We got, we got um, bird flued at the end of it. Right. So there was no real, uh, there was no proper end to that process we had the last couple of gigs and then uh, about half of us got the squits right is how is how that ended <laughs> yes half of us got the squits uh the other half uh went on to sort of uh glittering careers in stand-up comedy right <laughs> sort of how it went <laughs> yeah, yeah. so like you know josh and tom and yeah done really well but it can only work when you're all it works when you're all in the fringe but not anywhere else really yeah i think so it was just chaos it was yeah. just complete chaos but a lot of fun to yeah. do you know and it was the sort of thing if we tried to make it if we tried to make it better and good then it might have been the sort of thing that ooh, there might have been someone might have fallen out with someone else yes you know yeah. and i think we all decided let's just stay friends and not fall out and just do other stuff yes instead Okay. But I still work with, you know, Ben Partridge and Henry Packer. We do loads of stuff together all the time, yeah. you know. And you you do crop up in a lot. You did the David Walliams sketch show. On yeah, TV. that was good fun, yeah. Uh, you know, you, you do, and Horrible Histories you've been working That's with. great. That's yeah. that's really lovely. I'd like, I had a go at that. Yeah, that was last year. I just did a few of them. And that's that's fucking great. Yeah. Because it's kind of big, big, silly characters and silly wigs and all that kind of stuff. Just kind of acting I'm particularly comfortable with sort of mugging it. <laughs> yeah. Basically. Uh, so, yeah, I'd love to do more of that for yeah. a chance. Yeah. Good. Well, hopefully that will happen. Right, I'm going to ask you some emergency questions because these people... My kids, by the way, the only disappointing about the thing is yeah. I, I, I'm slightly concerned that my kids might be fucking stupid. Right. Um, because um, <laughs> it's the only thing that I've been able to show them that I'm in, pretty much, that they've been able to watch. Yeah. And the episode came on, and I, you know, I didn't want to be a sort of, oh, showbiz jazzy. Oh, look at me, I'm on the telly. But that's exactly what I did do. Yeah. <laughs> and then, like, the first episode of the new series came on, and, you know, and I mean, I knew I was a couple of sketches in, and the, and the sketch starts, and I'm, and I'm sort of watching them on, on the sofa, thinking this is going to blow their fucking minds. <laughs> and I come on, uh, you know, in character, but just dressed, dressed as a Victorian, just with my hair switched back, normal moustache, nothing else, no ornate, and I'm watching them, there's absolutely no response. <laughs> Absolutely a response. They watch the sketch. They're like this. <laughs> I'm like, what do you think of the sketch? Like, we didn't really understand it. And uh, <laughs> that was concern number one, because it's quite clear what was going on in the sketch. And then, but what did, what did you think of Daddy? What do you mean? <laughs> well, I, I was in that, that sketch. Pause it. Hang on. L Lucy, can you pa pause the fucking telly? <laughs> I've knocked the bloody light over again. And uh, they just, they, they, they hadn't recognised their own father. 
three feet away from them on, a te on television. Yeah. Looking, I mean, it was really distressing. That is bad. <laughs> Though most kids don't realise that Justin and Mr. Tumble are the Justin Fletcher and Mr. Tumble that's are the all, same. That's a, very, that's, a, that's a very disappointing moment, yeah, when you, yeah. you raise that in the conversation. So, so most kids don't realise that, and I guess... No, that is pretty stupid. I think they're probably stupid. It's really, yeah. I mean, they've grown up in the West Country. There's a problem if you put them in the West Country. It's very innocent. They're very innocent. Yeah. So they won't be able to understand anything complex, like <laughs> someone being in two places at once. How yeah. does, you're here, Dad, next to me, so that can't be you in the tele, in yeah. the magical lantern. They do... Um... Yeah, they do. Um, yeah, they don't understand reflections either. <laughs> Come to think of it, yeah. I'm going to ask. I'm going to ask you an emergency question, All not right. from the book, but this, there's the book. Um, uh, if you could have any item, you could go from any art gallery or museum that you're allowed to take home and keep. Any art gallery or museum in the world. Any item can be an art, artistic, or it can just be a an item from any museum, but mm. you get to keep it and take it home. Which one thing do you want from the world of museums and art galleries? Uh, the greatest museum in the world... Yes. ...is the Royal Albert Memorial Museum uh, in Exeter. In Exeter. <laughs> Playing to the crowd. <laughs> uh, which is curated in the most uh, wonderful... Uh, eccentric way possible for example and if I'm allowed to take a double piece okay yeah um, and there's a sort of uh, top floor area and there's a little corner where you have a, a stuffed giraffe yeah um, which we still celebrate the fact that it was shot by a, a, an old uh, Exeter dude back yeah. in the day <laughs> uh, next to a harpsichord <laughs> so they just it's not just about the individual items it's about you know how they put these you know it's really, and you can you can stand there for fucking hours and think, <laughs> what is the link? To, was he, did he play the harpsichord? There's no there's no clues anywhere, no. and you, you you look for clues and things in the blurb in case there's something. There is a button. You press the button. And think, Here is the answer. And it just plays a little excerpt of some harpsichord. And you're like, no, is it? Is it in alphabetical order? God. <laughs> oh God! Like, yeah, that, ex that explains why there's a, a, a thumb screw is next to the old uh, Exeter sausage, <laughs> which I'd also been confused by. Maybe now I know why my kids are so thick. <laughs> I have asked you some emergency questions in the past. I'm going to try and uh, not uh, cross over. Oh, I should have asked about the uh, last week about the, the finger that can travel through time. Never mind. Um, we did that last time, I think, yeah. I think we did it with you last time. I should have done it with the, someone who was interested in the Bible. Imagine where their finger would end up. <laughs> there is a finger that's in the Bible. And I did mean to ask, there is a finger that appears. In, in the, the Bible. In, there's a finger that appears somewhere. I think it's in the Bible. I think they're just implicit, aren't they? Yeah. They just assume that <laughs> they just all have the, fingers. Just it. <laughs> Just it's like the old apple thing again. It's like it doesn't yeah. say it, you assume it's an apple, but you know. It's a disembodied, it's just a finger. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Tickling Jesus. <laughs> it's in the old Testament, I think. I might be wrong. Um, right, let me have a look, see what I've got. 
if I said you had a beautiful body, would you tell would you tell me I should ask for a refund from the author of this book? What? Um, this book's terrible. This book's terrible. Um, who is the most evil person you have ever met? Question two oh nine. The most evil person. Yeah. Uh, or it's a toss-up between uh, Mr. Elmet, uh, who's the head teacher of my primary school. Okay. Don't know if he's dead or not. Fingers crossed. <laughs> Just for legal purposes. Um, or a, a boy at the same primary school who's... What was his first? Ian Alexander? I can't remember his first name. His second name was West. He was an okay. absolute bastard. Is it Fred West? <laughs> it was Fred West. <laughs> uh, <laughs> very into crazy paving. Um, <laughs> From a very young age. What did Mr. Elmet do to you to, for you to remember and be scarred by this many decades later? He was, um, he would, uh, he was mostly a sort of emotional and psychological tormentor. Okay. Was his thing. Physically, he very rarely physically abused anyone. The only physical abuse I got from him was when uh, he got annoyed with me for ch chewing a pencil uh, and he made me come over to him and he said, uh, give me that pencil. And then he said, open your mouth. I thought, oh, I don't like the idea of these two things going together. <laughs> and he put it in my mouth, sharp end first, close your mouth. And then he went, bam, with his, with his open palm on the uh, pencil and sort of rammed it down into the back of my throat, which, which does fucking hurt. <laughs> <laughs> uh, particularly when you're, when you're eight years old. Um, so he, he, he made his point. <laughs> But I would have been very happy for him to just say, can you not chew that pencil? It really, <laughs> it really gets from a tit, Wozniak. Um, was that at a time when... Because there was... A, corporal punishment was made illegal. Yes. I would have thought after... That no one had ever bothered... Up until... Yeah, no one had ever bothered to make uh, whamming a sharp end of a pencil yeah. into the back of a boy's throat illegal. Because it was felt, it was assumed <laughs> I guess by that. the general population that that didn't need to go into the statute books. No. But he was also, he was, it sort of, later I sort of learned that I, there were rumours that he was a, he was a sort of philanderer and possibly had broken up uh, some marriages of some parents and right and uh, there was a lot of gossip going on about him at one point oh. and he he started he became quite well known for doing these like end of year speeches to the school which was supposed to be about the school <laughs> but he put all sorts of stuff in about you know get fucked you lot you're talking about me i'll do i'll do what i like you know and he had he, there was one that i remember he did uh, rumors were flying that he was shagging all sorts of mumps right and uh <laughs> They love blokes who, you know, abuse kids. That's what mums like. That's, that's their favourite. <laughs> yeah. The pencil thing, that's just a way to get pussy. And there was a... <laughs> this school had a boarding element to it. So there were some kids that stayed there. And, uh, and he told a story about how he and his wife had come home from a, from a dinner one night and it had possibly been a bit boozy and it had been too much wine and that uh, his wife had, had leant over to kiss one of the boarders on the forehead and wish them goodnight. And the boarder had said, Ooh, Mrs Elmet... You smell like my mummy. And, yeah, that was the response in the room. <laughs> and he sort of glared across. So, I mean, he was, uh, he, was, he was a hateful little bugger. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Wow. Were you boarding? You weren't boarding? No, 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 no. It was just, it was, it was in our village. But yeah. there was a, I think this, it still exists now. And I think they, 
the boarding thing now is more kind of like it's kind of social care boarding is what they do now right. there. So it's not kind of you know yeah they'll take uh, they'll take urban children <laughs> uh, and, and put them somewhere leafy for a bit. It's know. interesting um, that See you've gone looks. to. I mean, it's a good choice for the answer. It's interesting that you've gone to. Isn't that that's stayed with you all that time, and that that's the person that that you know you would you instantly recall for that. I think he's, yeah, because I, I, mean, I, I think he's, because he's, he's the first person I met that I, I had a, a sense of your, you're a sadist, yeah. I think. Well, I know it's so, you know, it's also, as I suppose as a child, you expect teachers to be, yeah, sort of not to attempt to physically <laughs> harm you with a pencil. I mean, it could kill you with that. That's, that's a terrible yeah, thing. Yeah, but to it's do. also just the way he generally carried himself about yeah. and how he would sort of psychologically sort of bully other kids mm. and make them feel. Do you know. think we could put this in the podcast or am I going to have to take this out? I don't know. I'll confine, I can try and find out if he's dead or anything like that or if okay. he's. Um, I mean, hopefully, his, you know, his family, at least he's just died and his family thought, should we cheer ourselves up? I mean, I assume if I listen to a podcast. <laughs> His son's going, oh, yeah, he's got a great, I, no, great podcast, Richard Herring. It's really funny. He did a great one about biblical study last week. It was very interesting. <laughs> I mean, I assume everyone in his life, family included, probably think he's an absolute dickhead. So yeah. I, uh, yeah. But a lot of, I think a lot of comedians have, maybe it's just people do. I mean, I talk to comedians. Maybe a lot of people have these stories. And, it's you know, it's... The school stuff. Yeah. A lot, a lot of comedians go back to school, I think it's quite interesting, in their minds, and, yeah. that's, and, and that's the thing that's stuck with them. Uh, Robin Ince's uh, latest book about why, why comedians become comedians, sort of, he wonders whether most comedians have some trauma in their childhood. I've not read that, okay. Do you think, uh, do, do you think that's a, a, a thing? You know, there's a lot of divorce and a lot of I do. I, no, I, well, this is the thing, I, I have no right to be a comedian whatsoever. I had an no. absolutely blissful childhood. L lovely, nice yeah. parents... Nice sister, no no problems. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Really. Uh, so I've got beyond beyond. I mean, all of my concerns are small. So there's this sadist. Yeah. But you know, then you know he's out of my life. You know, and there's no aside from the normal sort of you know school scraps and bullying and all the usual yeah. bollocks and you know. Yeah. I don't. I mean, there's no. I mean, I wasn't sort of born in a circus. No one was. <laughs> throwing me around a stage from the age of three months old, you know, there's no, you know, yeah. it's incredibly vanilla, my background. Yeah, I've got but mine is as well, no I right think. But, a, you could find, yeah. but then I guess, you know, you'll find something like that in anyone's life. It's sort of interesting, I think, that that, that many teachers were abusing their position. I, you know, I guess it's, it's a difficult job. I might come from a family of teachers and hopefully... Yeah. Uh, none of them were putting pencils in anyone's faces, but um, I think it, there was a lot. When I was at school, there was a big scene of of, of, of teachers who had been around and when corporal punishment was still a bit of a thing. Yeah, who very much viewed it as a right. Yeah. So at the grammar school that I was at, there was a there was a geography teacher who was notorious for, like, you know, if you were going to come in for a bollocking, he'd summon you to his office, and you know, you're supposed to get detention, but he'd give you a choice, and he'd be like, "Look, okay." You can have uh, 12 detentions or I've got this slipper. I know about your slipper. I've heard about your slipper. I'll, I'll just whack you on the arse for a bit. <laughs> <laughs> and most of us, did. we would take the arse whacking. Yeah. Um, you know, because, um, because we didn't want to have 12 detentions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, he didn't particularly put his elbow into it. He was quite a sort of doughy man. Yeah. I think if he... <laughs> 
I think if he really sort of gritted his teeth and went for it, it was never going to do that much harm in, in the first place. It was quite an old... He hadn't replaced his slipper in a long time. <laughs> uh, the sole was quite worn away. You know, it was just... It felt more like being... Well, Jesus. I was about to say it felt more like being flapped about on the backside with a, with a limp dick, and now that I think about it... <laughs> Oh, God. It's, it's a, the giraffe harpsichord all over again. It's, uh, it's, a weird, it's, it's a weird time in our, the history of our country where, you know, I, I, I remember primary school and, uh, the, the, and there, you, someone has got the DAP at primary school, you know, and when, you, when I think, we were eight years old, we were nine years old and a grown man was at least intimidating us through fear to the idea that we'd be mm. hit with it, to the extent that you'd, I can't remember. I think I was. I think I did get the DAP. It's a, yeah. You know, well, you guys know what a DAP is. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but a plimsoll training shoe, whatever. Uh, but the fear of it was more than the actual... You know, I remember the fear of getting it rather oh, than yeah. actually being hit by it, which I think I was. But it's weird that an adult would hit... That we lived in a... We'll be back to it after Brexit. People at home will be experiencing it already. LAUGHTER um, you know, back to the good old days of the 50s and 60s where my, adults my dad hit had a, a, a teacher who'd... Uh, I think he'd been injured in the war. In the, just, he still had an arm, but it was, it was completely limp at his side, and that, that was his chosen weapon. <laughs> completely dead. <laughs> a dead arm. <laughs> he'd, uh, he'd turn a tight 360 little pirouette on his feet. <laughs> the thing would come whipping around. <laughs> knock you off your fucking chair. Uh, he must have been sad that it happened and then just in his mind, but this is going to be great for beating children with... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on the right side. We're going to get a nickname out of this, yeah. <laughs> Baffer, Baffer Harrison. Good, see, the good, the good merged questions. That's, we got all that out of... Uh, let's try another one. See if it's a bit more light-hearted. <laughs> My fault for asking. I mean, what, are we gonna, what do you expect, Richard? Yeah. Yeah, I met a really evil person who was nice to me. <laughs> um, uh, what is the worst thing that's happened to you on holiday? Uh, I hope you didn't go on holiday with that headmaster, because this is... Uh, <laughs> a few things. There's, uh, I was in Sri Lanka once, a long time ago, and... Um, uh, Monkey threatened to beat me to death with a toothbrush. <laughs> that was quite intense. I <laughs> uh, just came out of the room and there was the, the, the trolley, you know, the trolley for sort of, you know, soaps and towels and... Yeah. Um, uh, and it was just... Uh, it had been absolutely seized upon by a, a, a mob troop. Troop! Yeah. Of, uh, of, of monkeys yeah. living up to their name. Um, <laughs> absolutely, you know... Just fucking it up big time, <laughs> eating tiny bars of soap, uh, fucking tiny bottles of conditioner, um, and of the uh, of the of the, the the maid who I'd met the, the previous day, um, uh, uh, there was uh, no sign whatsoever. <laughs> um, I didn't see her again, in fact, um, in that state. And yet, the the, the gang leader had a. Uh, had a toothbrush that he was brandishing at me wow. aggressively and communicated very clearly um, <laughs> that, that he, would, uh, he would beat me to death unless I uh, fucked off. <laughs> Which I did. 
Um, that's pretty good. It's a pretty good story. Um, had some squits in yeah. the... Uh, yeah, there's usually a squit one, isn't there? There is. With, uh, everyone's got a squit story. But my, um, my, my squit story was... Uh, it came about halfway through a sort of week-long holiday. And I, as, I, as I sat, um, fill, filling the pan um, with, with pint upon pint <laughs> of, uh, of shit and blood, um, I found myself thinking... Uh, I actually, I prefer it in here, and I, I, this means I don't have to spend any more time with my girlfriend this holiday. <laughs> so it was an epiphany. Yes. Really, that, uh, that really our time was up. Yes. Um, which she agreed with, and yeah. um, it re it re I think it really helped to sort of seal the deal. I think she had a lovely few days, you know, so we ended on good terms and everything, but, um, yeah. It is, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a... It intensifies the relationship of holiday. Mm. You can, there's no escape apart from shitting yourself. Oh, yeah, you see things very clearly yeah, through, the, <laughs> through the lens of, uh, of amoebic dysentery. <laughs> Sometimes. So, is there another series of Mr. Game Show in the pipeline? The, no. <laughs> No, although I am, the guy, Joel, who I made that with, the, yeah. we, we, are, we are making a, a new podcast. It was good, I have to say. It's a podcast, Mr. Game Show, where you did a game, it was... Uh, it was a game show. Silly game show. It was. It was quite with good Diane fun. Morgan. I didn't really, fun. wasn't, I didn't really feel comfortable in the sort of ents thing, wasn't it? Right. Yeah, no, that was, so I didn't really feel like... I, was, I thought like that I was, was part of it. Well, that was part of it, but that, the idea was that that part of it was shtick, was right. the idea. <laughs> Whereas actually there was shtick, and also there, there genuinely was a real man thinking, yeah, fucking clue what I'm doing here. <laughs> but it was fun. Uh, but no, we're doing a completely different thing. What's the next one? The next thing is, wherever I have lived in England, Exeter included, there has always been a, a little free local community newsletter that has appeared through the door, you know, every few months. Yeah. Or so. Lovingly amateur-run newsletter. Yes. With, you know, local gripes in the letters and uh, racist jokes. <laughs> um, you know, um... And uh, so it's kind of, it's an audio version of that. The okay. idea is, it's, an, it's set in a fictional ward of Exeter. And uh, it's the, the guy's had his funding cut, so he's, he's got to do it by podcast now, okay. instead of being printed. So that, I think the first one will be out quite soon, hopefully, maybe this month. Even. So it's an experiment. We're giving it, giving it a go. Good. Made a couple of episodes, going to fire it out, and then see what happens, see if people yeah. like it, yeah. It's good podcast. This is a podcast. It is, isn't it? Yeah, it's good and, to do a podcast. Uh, it's fun. Yeah, I love the podcast thing. Yeah. I haven't made one myself other than that, and, but I do a fair bit of it and like, with Ben. Uh, Partridge's Beef and Dairy yes. stuff. Do uh, get involved with that a lot. And, uh, one person, two people. <laughs> two. Um, that's a lot of fun. Yeah, although Ben is the engine of that, of course. Yeah. yeah. Good. Good. Uh, good. Um, I've just written there. We've answered this one already. Why Exeter? Um, good, good question. Uh, <laughs> you're very clumsy. Uh, I notice when you knocked over those lights. Oh, right. Twice. Yeah. Did you consider yourself a clumsy person? Yeah, have you got that from someone else? Yeah. Or is that from who? Who told you that? I don't know. I've just written clumsy down on this piece of paper. Yeah, I have a reputation. I've, yeah. I've, I've, yeah, in my household, certainly. I, uh, yeah. I fall down the stairs. Possibly three times a week. I'm really? Saying. That is clumsy. 
And that is better because we moved, we were in a different house, had much steeper stairs last year. So it was sort of daily basis. Daily basis also with quite a sort of low ceiling at the end. So it was a proper, I've had a lot of head injuries in my time. <laughs> um, a lot of little sort of mini, mini sort of slow speed prangs in, in cars. Right. Um, a flip-flop about, I'll wear flip-flops at the, the drop of a hat, but okay. flip-flops plus clumsy. I get, yeah, I get a lot of scrapes. Where's yeah. this come from? Who told you I'm clumsy? No, I try and keep this, that. Try and keep that. You know, it's what everyone says low. about you. Don't worry, I think it was from you. I think it's something you said to you. No, and somewhere on. You know, I look online and find things out about people. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. So that's that's it. Yeah. Clumsy. I am clumsy. I'm not proud of it. <laughs> you know, it'll get me one of one of these yeah. days. Yeah. It'll be, um, it's, it's either bowels or, uh, or flip-flops, I think, probably. Yeah. Have you ever thought about not wearing flip-flops? Oh. Yeah. No, that's quite a good idea. Yeah. I mean, they're um, not really, they're sort of a beachwear thing rather than a houseware thing. And, yeah, okay. I will, con yeah, I'll consider that. I'm learning quite a lot today, aren't I? Yeah. Um, I find flip-flops, yeah. I get annoyed with flip-flops because you've got like the, the, I don't know what they call it, it's neither the flip or the flop, the spongle. The spongle? Yeah. Well, is that the, the toe-grabby bit? Yeah, the, the pit you put your toes your in. I guess. I've never had a problem with the spongle. Yeah, I, I don't like the spongle, so I can't wear... The rubber bit, do they? I just I become aware of it, and then once I'm aware of it, I can't stop thinking of it between oh, my toes. And I then notice. I have to flip the flip-flops off. I feel like maybe I quite like the feel of a spongle. Do you? That might be what it is. <laughs> But I would rather, I would, I mean, I'm, I'm sort of, I think, I think I am likely to have an, I don't mind the idea of an accidental death, though, really. I think a death that's sort of potentially amusing to your family is quite nice if you go too early. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? If you've sort I'm... of sat and have yourself off a cliff or something like that, then, yeah. you know, sort of, it just makes it a bit easier. I've always said, I think I did a routine about how the idea of doing, I'm pretty sure I will die an amusing or ironic death. Yeah. And, and it will annoy me in my final seconds. That final moment. Mainly to think just of the headline Steve Bennett will write on Chortle about it, <laughs> which is a comedy website, but they all do some awful pun. So I, I'm... So you won't even get a final slideshow, you'll just get a series of puns, yeah, basically. Yeah, just get a pun of, you know... Before your eyes. As I, the, as the I did a big routine about you. it. I'm trying to think what... If I get the HIV virus and die of that, he'll put herring AIDS, that kind of thing, you know. Yeah, that's, yeah, the, uh, yeah. that's, that's the... And that's him, not me, coming up with this stuff. So don't blame me for that. That's what I imagine he will say. Yeah. And I'm disgusted by it. And not happy about it at all. Um, and this is Dial-M for Middlesbrough. Is this Jason Cook? Jason Cook was written that. Yeah, because he's done a couple of those, right? So they're murder mystery. Yeah. Of, the, one's been on a coach and one's been on a... There's uh, Murder on the Blackpool Express. Yes. There was another one. And this is the other one. I'm just a bit part in that. Okay. Uh, I, I, I play a, uh, a, a middle-class uh, southern English bloke with moustache. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, great. We'll look out for it. Great fun. Well, yeah. But just, what, just I wanted, what, 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 what I did see you in, and though my memory is so bad now, I had to rewatch some of this to try and remember what you were in it, but I loved you at the time, was Prevenge, which is a fantastic uh, film yeah. by Alice Lowe. Yeah. Which, um, which was a quite an achievement in and of itself. Have people seen Prevenge at all? One or two. This is a really worth pregnancy revenge killer, kind of like very, very dark comedy horror thing yeah. that she she 
yeah, they, they basically, the film production company had a, had a few spare beans. And, you know, she's got form, sightseers and all yeah. kinds of other stuff. And they basically said, we've got, we've got a few beans, but we need to spend it really quickly. Have you got any scripts on the go? And she said, no, but I've got a bit of an idea. I'm up the duff and I've had this idea about this thing. And just wrote it in... It's the sort of writing writer's dream, I think. You just had an idea, just sat down, just wrote it yeah. in a couple of weeks, pretty much, and it was really good. Yeah, and then filmed it really yeah, well. Yeah, well, she had to because she was. It was about a pregnant woman being. And she was. Yeah. Uh, oh well, possibly. Yeah. Instructed just, just by a child to just, kill men. Just did it. Yeah. Just yeah. went ahead and just did it. You were nice in it, right? Your character. Was I was nice. a nice guy, Josh. So I played a uh, white middle class guy with a moustache. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And. Uh, uh, yeah, I was, I was. Yeah, I was. I was. I wasn't supposed to be on the revenge list. I was at wrong place, wrong time. Tom okay. Meaton was supposed to get it, right, instead of me. And uh, yeah, I can't. I, say, I can't remember. I, say, I remember you being nice. And I don't remember you being murdered. Sticky end. Yeah. Uh, I suppose you want that really for the Buddha, for the Buddha, acting part. Buddha statuette. Oh to yes, the old that's... Swede. You know. Yeah. That'll Spoilers. <laughs> Pretty much every man in it died. There are some nasty men in that film, and they not. Does anyone deserve to die? Yes, all nasty men. Yeah, there are some nasty men. There's a there's a there's a woman as well. I, I mean, I you know she she the character definitely you know pushes things to extremes. She does. I would say there's definitely <laughs> there's a couple that absolutely you're like yeah the world is better off with you with you dead. Yeah. There's a couple who you probably well, definitely a dick, but you know <laughs> you probably possibly don't need to stove their head in. But you know you get whipped up in it during watching the film. You're completely yeah. behind her. And is it, was it, was there improv, it seemed quite improvised, but was it improvised? Vaguely. Yeah. Yeah, but it, easy improv in that, like, she's already written a really good script and there's something to lean back on and you know exactly who you are and what you're supposed to be doing and she'll get it done and you'll, yeah. you know, it's been filmed and then it's in the can and then, you know, she'll do kind of, let's do a loosey-goosey type version. But she's just being funny anyway. So yeah. you're just, you know, just coattailing basically, having a lovely day. Yeah. And what about you? You did your own short film, which was called Sump. Yes, my directorial about someone debut. Being trapped in a drain. Trapped in a drain. Well, it was a cave. Yes. Okay. Um, we started. Was it? Was it? Was it we inspired started with by drain, it? and then made it more dramatic, made it into a cave instead. Was yeah. it inspired by the um, underground network in Exeter? It wasn't. Okay. No, it was set in Somerset. Okay. Up in your Mendips. Oh, yeah. that's where I'm from. It was just, I'd just been desperate to direct for a long time. Yeah. And, uh, and so finally realised I just had to sort of get on with it and do it and uh, that I was in a position to uh, coerce and emotionally blackmail some friends <laughs> to act in it. And Very good cast. Operate cameras. Very good cast. Yeah. Yeah. Danny Rigby and Jeannie Spark and Gemma Whelan, you know, uh, yeah. as Game of Thrones Gemma Whelan. Yeah. Just n nice, nice woman. Good mate and susceptible to emotional blackmail. Good, basically. <laughs> Help me, Gemma. Actors um, like to act, they don't. That's the thing. That's the problem. They do. She's a worker as well. She's a workhorse, yeah. Gemma. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, a bunch of people gave up their weekend. We had a lovely old time. You know. Do you, is there more of that in the in the? I would love to do more directing, but I, yeah, at, the, at the moment I'm at the point where I, so I've, I've spaffed any spare beans on that. Yeah. So there's no current spare beans okay. to make another film. Okay. Unless I can convince someone else to fund the film, which is either like a sort of TV company, so which I'm I'm always asking Mr. and Mrs. Big to let me make something. Yes, you know you know what that's like. Uh, I do. But <laughs> in terms of funding for short films and stuff, at the moment there aren't any funding bodies that are particularly concerned about 
giving uh, white middle-class middle-aged men a, a leg up in the industry <laughs> for some strange reason. Yeah. As if, uh, yeah, as if we're, you know... It's um, anti-moustache bias, I it's think. Anti -moustache. That's, that's what it is. Rather than just, you, you've, you've had enough of chances. <laughs> just come on, mate, you know, buck up. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. At some point, when there's some beans, yeah, you know, if you see two very hungry children walking around Exeter, <laughs> then you'll know that. I've, yeah, I've funded another short but film. It is difficult with the, you know, a lot of people are trying to write stuff, and it's very, very difficult to get anything made. Yeah, well, the, but the, that's the nice thing about short films and podcasts. And stuff, yeah, you can just you can just do it, do a thing. You don't have to have the existential identity crisis of you know, what am I? Who am I? What am I? You can make a thing, and it yes. might not earn you any money, or might lose you money, but at least you've 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 made a thing. You know. It's true. Well, I'm sure there's a lot more to come. Uh, we're going to have to wrap it up because the people of Exeter have work in the morning. They do. Well, thanks for having me. But, uh, it's been lovely to see you. Ladies and gentlemen, Mike Wozniak. Thank you very much for coming, everyone. Hope to see you again very soon. I'll be out there for the Thank you. You have been listening to Rahalastapa with me, Richard Herring, and my guest, Mike Wozniak. Thank you to Pest for providing the music. I'd like to thank everyone at the Extra Corn Exchange. Uh, I would also like to thank Chris Evans, not that one, from Go Past the Stripe and the Sky Potato uh, franchise. I would like to thank uh, the British Comedy Guide, ACAS, and all the guys who come and film these shows as well. Let's not forget those people. They've been marvellous over this series. Uh, I'm indebted to my series producer, Ben Walker. I'm indebted to my producer and tour manager, James Hingley. I'm especially indebted to my executive producer, Louise Troest. That's how I say it. I don't know how she says it. Uh, Louise Troest, perhaps. Uh, she likes toast, and she's called Troest. That's what we all say about her on the set. This is a buzz. Go faster, Stripe and Sky Potato production. Head to richshane.com slash gigs to find out all about the gigs that are coming up. There's lots in London, there's one in Birmingham, and there's a couple in Norwich that are both sold out. But have a look at them anyway, just to see what could have been. See you later. <laughs>